Good afternoon, sports lovers. Daniel Garb here with you on 1170 SEN Afternoons in Sydney and SEN 693 in Brisbane. With thanks to sbsfence.com.au, the best temporary fence and portable toilet hire in Sydney. Get on to them for all of your events. A bit of a shift in programming today. We've got the Global Game coming up from 1pm this afternoon with the great Scott McDonald, if you don't mind, joining me. Can't wait for that. One of the best football minds in the country, Scotty Mack. On the day that we lost the legendary Franz Beckenbauer. We'll pay tribute to him. And only four days out from the Socceroos starting their Asian Cup campaign. Two hours of football on your Tuesday afternoon coming up from 1pm. We'll start the day, though, with cricket. And the conundrum, that is the opening batting replacement for David Warner. Let's be honest about this, though. The conundrum only exists due to a desire to get Cameron Green back into the side. And that is understandable. The team is ageing, Green is only 24, and a potential generational talent. If that wasn't the case, the call would probably be straightforward. Cameron Bancroft would be in, based on form, unless the sandpaper gate fallout scent was still so severe that it was preferred he didn't enter the fold. In that case, Marcus Harris would be the choice. Matt Renshaw seems to be the third seed. But the lure of Green is a giant one, and so shifts need to be made if he is to be brought back in. And if so, it seems the sentiment is for Steve Smith to be moved up to open the batting. That is no small alteration. We're talking about a batsman with a test average in Australian cricket that is only second to Bradman. He turns 35 this year, and there are test series against India and England on the horizon. But delve a little deeper, and the move makes sense. Smith has only passed 50 twice in his last 13 test innings, With no centuries over that time, he has made starts, but is not going on with it. He seems in need of a refresher, a new challenge. He said himself recently, he is batting with fear. He also averages over 100 in his last, in his six test innings when he's come into bat in the first two overs. The moving ball doesn't seem to trouble him too much. Furthermore, if Steve Smith wants to do it, then let him. He knows what he requires better than anyone. He surely earned the trust to make the call himself without anyone else altering his mind, despite a reluctance, it seems, from the captain in Pat Cummins. That being said, it is still a fascinating shift. So we want your thoughts on it. 0457 736 736 is the text line. 1300 01 1170 if you want to speak about this. An enormous change Seems to be in the works in Australian cricket if Steve Smith is pushed up to open with test series against India and then the Ashes against the English coming up. There was meant to be a press conference today by Cricket Australia to announce the squad. That uh, has been pushed back, we understand, to tomorrow. So uh, just mulling over this a touch, Andrew McDonald, the coach, Pat Cummins, the captain, and the selection team. Andrew McDonald wants Cameron Green back in the side. Does he go into open? That would be a big call. Against the West Indies, it probably won't matter too much for a player of his talent against a team that, let's be honest, isn't really test cricket standard in the West Indies at the moment. But after that, it would be tough on a 24-year-old who is still looking to re-establish his place in the team to be asked to uh, fill a role of such uniqueness and such importance. Smith wants to do it. It makes sense. Off the text line. Never fear. Smith is here. I'm with you. 
Also, what about this? When Mike Hussey opened the batting in his test debut, I'm pretty sure that was against the West Indies as well. Didn't seem to be too big of an issue. Mike Hussey made his name as an opener, though, for Western Australia before he moved into the middle order. Cameron Green's a little bit different, so I'm not sure about throwing Green straight in, especially if Smith wants to do it. Lachlan McCurdy is a cricket writer for Code Sports, and he's been good enough to join us to go through what is a very big issue in Australian cricket right now, Lockie, but one that's an enjoyable one to chat about. We spend so much time delving into controversies, it seems. I think the average fan enjoys talking about selection and on-field matters more than anything else, and this has all got us talking, and to be honest, I think it's a fair bit of fun, Lock. Absolutely, Garby. Good to be with you. And I agree because I think what is so exciting about this discussion is that it it does feel like a bit of a changing in the guard and and looking towards the future of this Aussie team. And especially when you're thinking about Cam Green, that this could be the way he gets in this Aussie team for the next decade or more. So it's it's an important discussion to have, that's for sure. Yeah, and that's why it exists, because of Green. As I said earlier, if it wasn't for Green, it would be probably a straightforward call, that of Cam Bancroft, unless... You know, the interviews that he did post-Sandpaper Gate have left a bit of a stench around the side. And some players said, well, I'm not too comfortable about that, in which case it probably goes to Marcus Harris. But it seems as if this is all about a desire from the coach, first and foremost, Andrew McDonald, to get Cam Green back into the team, which is understandable considering the age of the side and Green's undoubted talent and what he's also proven so far, albeit in patches, at Test cricket, in Test cricket to date. So that's is the catalyst for all of this, isn't it? Yeah, that's the sense that I get, and I know a lot of other people get, is that when you're thinking about the Australian Test team, that maybe in previous times it's been about, okay, who are the best two openers, who are our best middle-order batters, but there feels like there's a, a consensus that we need to try and get the best. Lockie's lines just uh, dropped out for a moment. We'll do our best to get him back. But he agrees that it's all about trying to get Cam Green into the team. Um, and if so, someone needs to move up to open if they don't want to throw Cam Green straight into that spot alongside Usman Kawaja. A lot of people texted in yesterday, 0457 736, 736, saying Travis Head should move up to open. But then you're talking about two left-handers, which I think they are reluctant to go with in an ideal world. And if Smith is presenting the option, well, then they've got another choice to make. Um, you were saying Lockie's back on the line now, Lockie McCurdy from Code Sports. That's, uh, yeah, this is all about trying to get Cam Green back into the test fold, the 24-year-old. It certainly is. And you've got, when you're looking, looking at your best six batters in the country, I think there's no doubt that Cam Green is one of them right now. And at Sheffield Shield level, where he has really impressed across mm. the country, at number four spot is where he's done his best work. It's not really at number six where uh, he has been batting for the Australian team when he's played. So that's why I guess the argument has come up. Do you move Smith up and then put Cam Green straight into number four? But the, the sense I'm getting is that they want as little movement or disruption to that lineup as possible. That if they do go to Cam Green, that the West Indies tour might be a, a perfect chance to see what he can do at the top of the order and take some of that white ball form where he's opened up uh, and see what he can do with the red ball. So what's the state of play at the moment? We heard yesterday there was set to be a press conference today and nothing has transpired in that sense. Is it moving to tomorrow? On the ground in terms of the uh, the media chat, what's going on in terms of the uh, the announcement, which a lot of fans are hanging on? So uh, as far as we know, the, the squad will be now announced tomorrow. Um, so yeah, that has been pushed back. And I think it's just they're, they're really trying to come to, I guess, an agreement among the selectors because I'm sure they all have 
differing opinions in terms of it, whether you should be having an out-and-out -out opener, whether they should be going straight for green and just kind of admitting it straight up. And I, I think the other question we'll see is that I wouldn't be surprised if they pick, obviously, Green will be in the squad as he has been already this summer, but maybe Marcus Harris or Cam Bancroft are also named in the squad. And I think if that is the case that they're going to go with Green, I think there is a fair chance we see Marcus Harris probably in that squad as well as the backup option, just because he has been on a Cricket Australia contract. He has been touring. He was there for the Ashes in, um, earlier this year. And I just get the sense that even though Cam Bancroft's got this incredible record in first-class cricket at the moment, that they want to give Harris another chance, especially mm. in Australian conditions. So if they weren't to go with Green, I think Harris is the guy that will come in. So harsh on Cam Bancroft, if that is the mm -hmm. case. Um, you really do feel for him in that sense. Share with us your thoughts, 0457 736 736 on the text line. Lockie McCurdy from Code Sports is uh, dissecting this issue for us. So the Smith, the Smith shift, it's an enormous one if it happens. And we're talking about a guy who averages 58 in test cricket, second only to Bradman in terms of Australian mm -hmm. test averages, 35 years of age. Uh, you know, you take a step back. And this is an enormous change. I can't recall an Australian cricketer of his standard making a move like this at this stage of his career. I mean, David Boone opened at times, but he was a number three. Justin Langer, similar. There's not too much of a change there. Smith has batted at four for nearly the entirety of his test career. It's a big jump. Um, but if he wants to do it, who is anyone else to tell him otherwise? Absolutely. And you think about some of the people who have been asked about it or whether it's been floated about Marnus Lavashane, Travis Head, Steve um, and Mitch Marsh, that when those names kind of got mentioned, it was very much met with a, oh, we don't want to make too many adjustments. We don't want to move things around too much. But then when Smith was raised as an idea this week during the Sydney test, we had a few people go, yeah, it's been discussed and Smith himself going, I'd be open to it, which is quite unusual. And it, and it says to me that as a cricketer, A, he still is trying to, make sure he's doing what's best for the team. And that could be a way that he thinks the Australian team will do best is if he's at the top of the order. But we have seen his record opening, um, coming in early in the innings in the first couple of overs is fantastic. I think there was a, mm. a stat going around um, in the last couple of days that when he comes in inside the first two or three overs, he's, his average is almost 100. Um, so he's very used to facing that new ball very early on uh, in his career. It's something he has done a lot batting so high up the order. So... Would a couple of overs really change that? I guess it's probably up for debate, but not really if you're really boiling it down to that. It feels like he wants a mental shift, though. I get the feeling that Steve mm. Smith is, is asking for a new challenge. So, as I said before, 13 test innings, his last 13, has only passed 50 twice, hasn't made a century. He made a comment, which I think got overlooked a little bit prior to the Pakistan series, where he said he's batting with fear a little bit. He's not playing his natural, free-flowing game purely on instinct. He's getting these starts in and then he's so desperate to make a big score that he's batting with fear a touch, scared to make mistakes. Maybe the shift to open the batting where he's just focusing on that new ball early on and, and getting in and getting set and just altering his mindset is what he needs right now. It feels like he's almost calling out for that. I think you're right. I think you look at some of his dismissals in this Pakistan series and he's almost just fallen into their trap a lot mm. of the time. I mean, that first inning dig in Sydney was the perfect example of that. There were three guys in the covers, and instead of just kind of guiding around or working around it, he just spooned a catch straight to one of them. Um, so I think it's definitely a fair argument to say if you're going in the top one or two, or even three for someone like Amanis Labuschagne, 
that you're going in there not thinking about, oh, what I have to do to set the team up, what I have to do to this. You're solely thinking about how can I bat for as long as possible. But that is your sole focus when you're up there. And I think it could be handy just to help really boil it down to that for Smith at the moment. And look, there's no doubt in his class and form. It's just kind of giving him the opportunity to, to play at his best. And maybe this is the way that um, the selectors could see a way for him to, to get back towards that 60 test average. So we'll await the decision by the selectors tomorrow. I, I dare say when they announce the squad, they'll probably announce who's opening the batting. It would be a bit of a tease if they don't do that, if they don't have a press conference mm-hmm. as well. Um, but Or they'll leak it to, to the media and they'll get the word out there that this is what is going to happen. I'm sure Lockie McCurdy from Code Sports will be all over that in the papers. Mm-hmm. He's joined us to uh, dissect this issue. What about the bowlers? Um the quartet was unchanged for the Pakistan series. Can you see some alterations for the Windy series? Does Scott Boland or Lance Morris get a crack at it? I think there's a chance they get around the squad again, but when we've got another test that has had one day fewer um, than needed, the, the bowlers are kind of saying they're all feeling fit and fresh, that none of them are playing big bash or anything like that. So that's going to be concerned this week. So, I get the sense that they'll go into the Windies with a with a pretty strong lineup, and we're we're just going to see less of that rotation if nece- if it's not necessary because of the World Test Championship points and everything that's on the line at the moment. And I think there's a debate about whether that's a good thing or not because I, I think a lot of people would argue we would love to see Lance Morris get a run in a, a series like that, which with all due respect to the West Indies, when they're building so many debutants, it's not yeah. going to be as strong a series. Uh, but I think there's an innate desire when you've got the, a bowling group on top of the world as much as these four guys are at the moment, that there's no point changing that sort of winning formula. Get on the text line 0457 736 736. Tell us what changes you want to see to the test team. Who should open? Should Cam Green come in? Um, and how do you feel about Steve Smith moving up the order? And which bowlers would you like to see having a crack at it if there is a, a rotation? The West Indies series, I think, will also bring to... Uh, to lighten and into sharp focus even more, uh, Lockie, the issues around Test cricket. They've left some players at home to play in the T20 series or players have opted not to take part in this Test series to play in the T20 series. Uh, there are debutants aplenty. It should be a, a cruise and a half for Australia, to say the least. We know South Africa have left some of their star players at home ahead of a Test series in New Zealand to play in their domestic T20 mm-hmm. um, series because they want to get that up and going in the best way possible. They feel it as if it is the financial saviour for the game in South Africa. That is hugely concerning. And it's fair to say there'll be a lot more discussion around that, considering what is likely to transpire between Australia and the West Indies over the next two tests. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it could be anything, this test, test series. And you hope that it'll be a bit of a replica of what Pakistan showed over the yeah. last three tests, that they came out here, people were riding them off, and they put on a really good contest. The 3-0 line um, scoreline in the end was really unflattering to how the, the series was actually yep, played. Agreed. Um, so I, I think the, the West Indies, there'll be a few people wanting to prove their case. I mean, we saw um, young Chanderpaul's son kind of really impressed when he was out here last year. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes. And there's um, a, a few other guys who it'll be really interesting to see what they can do. But you're right when it comes to questioning the, the future of the game, that it became a, a big talking point in the back of that South Africa series. And for a few people like Nick Hockley at Cricket Australia used the term um, wake up call um, about the prospect, but it's been something that's been brewing for a while. You can tell that there is a big story that has emerged, especially when it comes to test cricket. I mean, you look at how Australia's been playing their home summers. You've got a the next two summers are five test series against first India and then a, another home ashes, and they're going to be massive series. And it'll 
if you just look at that in kind of a vacuum, you go, oh, test cricket's never been better. But mm. yeah, it's really important to kind of see how we can help bring up some of these other countries and promote and encourage them to, to give that preference to test cricket. Because I think the players do all see that as the preferred format, but just at the moment, financially, it's impossible to, to match the the riches of the T20 game when you can go to India or the Caribbean or Pakistan or, or wherever, or even America, as we're seeing more now at the moment, and, and earn the, a similar paycheck for only bowling four overs if you're a bowler or only yeah. batting for 10 overs if you're a batter. It just it doesn't make sense economically if you're an individual who might be in one of those fringe countries playing test cricket to, to not look after yourself in that way. Yeah. Just to finish, speaking of India, that's where our women's team is at the moment. I know you keep a close eye on their fortunes. The deciding T20 match is uh, is coming up. I'm really enamoured with the talent that is Phoebe Litchfield. I don't think enough Mm. cricket fans are across just what she is. I think they will be over the next 12 months or so. She's 20 years of age. She's scoring a mountain of runs over there. She seems to be just insane. Some of the catches she's taken in this series are out of this world. And can you give us some insight into how big of a talent Australian cricket has in Phoebe Litchfield? It's remarkable what she's done so early in her career. I think that century in the one day, um, just a couple of days ago, was one of the more remarkable innings you'll see. And I think there was a stat that she joins only Meg Lanning or something like that to have scored those two sort of centuries so early in her ODI career. And I think it's just the calm and the poise with which she bats that the way she has always been about technique and batting in a way where if you were to look at you, you go, okay, you can put that in a textbook and you'd be fine. But it's also the fact that she's developed parts of her game. She's got the power to clear the rope that she didn't have two years ago. She's got the, the fielding ability wherever she's on the field to take those catches that she maybe didn't before. She is such an eager student of the game that she's always trying to get better. And we see that in the best players, your Lannings, your Elise Perrys and, and players like that. And there's no doubt that she will kind of have that same desire throughout her career. So yeah, the ceiling is quite high on just exactly what she's going to be able to achieve in the next decade or so. Lockie McCurdy from Code Sports, uh, thanks for the chat, mate. Great to get your insights on uh, so many big stories uh, in Australian cricket, all of a positive nature, it's fair to say, and uh, we look mm-hmm. forward to your coverage across Code Sports. All the best, mate. Too easy. Thanks, Garby. Lockie McCurdy there. Um, got some text flowing through, which we'll get to uh, after a break. 0457 736 736. Daniel Garb here with you on SEN Afternoon. Share with us your thoughts. I'd love to get them. And uh, we'll share the ones that we've got coming through in just a moment. Daniel Garb here with you on SEN Afternoons with thanks to sbsfence.com.au, the best temporary fence hire in Sydney, portable toilets as well. Get them for any event that you are holding. The global game coming up after one. The great Scott McDonald to join me to talk all things football, but we are dissecting the Australian cricket team conundrums at the moment. And there's looming selection call over the opener replacement for David Warner. The sentiment seems to be that Cam Green comes in. And if so, someone needs to move up. Steve Smith seemingly wants to do that. So who is anyone else to stop him considering what he's achieved in the game? And his desire, it seems, for a a bit of a refresher in his own mind and a new challenge. Turns 35 this year. He averages 58. If he feels he needs that, well, it seems like the call may have been made. But they've delayed the decision, the selectors. There was meant to be an announcement today. 
and they've pushed it back to tomorrow. So it's one they are seemingly mulling over, despite the ease in which the West Indies series is likely to be played in for Australia. A few opinions, though, off the text line. This one through from Pat. Dan, I'm going on the physical build of opening batsmen. And in general, most great batsmen are of smaller stature. Green is way too tall. He always looks uneasy as a batsman when he first gets to the crease. Matt Hayden is one of the exceptions to my opinion, but it's rare that you ever have a six-foot-plus opener. I agree. I don't think Cam Green should open. I'm not a fan of that decision. I think Green comes into the middle order at four or five, and Steve Smith goes up. I think Green to open against the Windies would be fine. I think if he gets through a few overs there, he wouldn't have too much of an issue. He's batted at number four for WA and made a mountain of runs. I don't think the attacks that he'll face from the Windies will be any more difficult than what he has encountered at shield, shield level. So that's not a concern, but we're talking about building for India in 12 months' time, and then, of course, the next Ashes series. Uh, it makes sense to get Green embedded into the middle order right now, and if Steve Smith wants to open, we'll get him into that role as soon as possible, considering the significant shift that it is. From John, Green has been the great hope for over four years. Why are we so in love with him? If he isn't a regular now, what guarantee is there that he's the answer in the future? John, that's a fair opinion on the text line, 0457 736 736, and I think one that many hold in Australian cricket. But Cameron Green has already proven that he's got an enormous amount of talent. He averages 34 with the bat in 24 test matches. He's made a century in India. He came into the team very young. And the majority of his test matches have been played against the two best, India and England. He hasn't had any easy kills yet to boost that average. He's averaging 36 with the ball. He's taken a five for in test cricket and 30 wickets. He hasn't done it necessarily with consistency with both the bat and the ball yet, but he's only 24 years of age. He's shown enough with both to suggest he will be a more than fine test cricketer. Nathan Lyon came out the other day. This is after a series in which Cameron Green failed to play in at all and said, I think he will be one of the great cricketers Australia has ever produced. I mean, there are many astute judges who have watched him closely who think he is a legitimate generational talent. He also averages close to 47 with the bat in first-class cricket for WA with nine tonnes. This is a man who is still 24 years of age. The talent is undeniable. The only reason he's out of the team is because Mitch Marsh came in when Green was England, uh, injured in the Ashes series in England and did ever so well. He couldn't be moved from that spot as the all-rounder in the side, batting at six and bowling. And well done to Mitch Marsh. Deserved his opportunity after what he copped. You can only be happy for him. And he's not going anywhere, and nor should he. But they want to get Green back into the fold, into a team in which Manus Labuschagne is the only player right now under the age of 30. And Green is 24. And they don't want to let him sit on the sidelines for too much longer and waste that talent. So I get what you're saying, John, but I think you're selling Green just a little bit short. I think he is still the great hope of Australian cricket. Whether it turns out to be of that nature in time, well, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, I can understand why there is such a demand to get him in. Matt from Hunters Hill, who sets the batting order, the captain or the selectors? It used to be just the captain. I mean, the captain picked the team as well once upon a time, of course. The selectors were just there as a, a sounding board and a guide, but the captain did the majority of it, especially on tours. Now, I think it would be a combination of both. I think there'd be a lot of discussion between the captain and the selectors. The selectors pick the squad. 
It'd be minimal input right now from the captain. Um, but then the final team, yeah, the skipper would have a fair say on that. And I dare say he would with the batting order as well. Um, but there'd be a lot of consultation between the coach too. I mean, the coach once upon a time was there to do throwdowns and talk to the players and run training sessions. Didn't have too much in, input on the team. We're talking late 80s, early 90s. That role has changed enormously as well. So, yeah, I think it'll be a consultative approach between selectors, the coach, Andrew McDonald, and the captain in Pat Cummins from the Reptile. G'day, Shagger. Who cares what Steve Smith wants? He has passed his best. He has zero technique and relied on hand-eye coordination. That has now abandoned him, and he will never score a Test 100 again. Well, I think that's a little bit early to call Reptile. I think Steve Smith will definitely score a Test 100 again. I know what you're saying, that he relies on hand-eye coordination. He is unconventional in his technique. But I'm not sure he's passed his best just yet. He's not 35. Usman Kawaja hit 35, moved up to the top of the order and made a mountain of runs in that role. I think he just needs a bit of a change, Steve Smith. And maybe opening the batting is the best move for that. Who cares what Steve Smith wants? He's the second highest average in the history of Australian cricket after Sir Donald Bradman. I think if Steve Smith feels as if he needs a change in his game, people should probably listen. And to be honest, I don't think there should be too many arguments when you consider what he's achieved and the talent that he has shown. He's also the virtual vice captain to Pat Cummins. Um, quite often, he is the captain on the field and when Pat Cummins is bowling. So he has a massive say in what transpires in this test team right now. I'm not sure there'd be too much rejection if Steve Smith says, I want to open the batting, and, and nor should there be. 0457 736 736. Share with us your thoughts. A variety of opinions coming through, um, and that's what we love here on SEN Afternoons, SEN 1170 in Sydney, SEN 693 in Brisbane. Plenty more coming up after the break. Time for a sports update with Coach K. Back in business, Garby. I feel refreshed. I'm ready to go. How was your break, mate? Unreal. Went to South Australia for the first time, and shout out to the Greenkeeping Rooster and a few others who messaged me and said, check out this place, check out this place, check out this place. And it was great. All good reviews? Wouldn't say a bad word. Adelaide, if it cops a bad rap, I wouldn't know about it. Loved Adelaide as a city. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. And the peninsulas, even better. You'll struggle to find a bad place in Australia. I mean, people that bag Adelaide or bag Perth, I mean, there's no real logic to it. Mm. There's lots of quality in, in both of those cities. Yeah. You know what blew me away, though? I still think the Melbourne Sporting Prince Precinct is the best in Australia. Yeah. But Adelaide Oval is done so well. Have you that been before? The, yeah, that walk over the bridge to Adelaide yeah. Oval is, is special. It's a glorious little spot, and there's the restaurants around the corner, the casino not far away. Yeah, it's a great little area. I want to go to Gather Round now. After knowing what I know about that city and the pockets of where the bars are and that yep. bridge and just the vibe would be incredible. And if I don't get there for Gather Round, I want to get there for when the Crows play the power because I reckon that'd be something special. Yeah, live golf as well in Adelaide. It'd be a lot of fun. Big time. Went off last year. Yeah. Likely to go off again this year. So, yeah, they got a lot going for it. The Premier Peter Malinowskis is trying to change the image of that place. Um, and they're getting big events and trying to make it a more vibrant city. Great wineries as well. A mm. couple hours out of Adelaide. Beautiful golf courses if you're into that. It's a good place. It's awesome. Most, mate, you'll struggle to find a bad place in this amazing country. Of I ours, agree. Let's be honest. How was the Gold Coast? Gold Coast was great. It was in Broad Beach for a few days leading up to Christmas. Loved it. Special uh, area. So uh, we avoided... The bad weather for the majority of our stay. So, also came back refreshed, mate. <laughs> 
The Maestro did a good job yesterday. Great to have you back. Big time. And Maestro will be holding down the fort, actually, at 1 o'clock for the global game. So we're excited about that. But I'll get to some scores, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Perth Scorchers, they won by seven wickets with five balls remaining against the Sydney Thunder. Ashton Agar was the player of the match. We have a quick look at the scorecard. 72 runs off 55 balls there for Alex Hales. He's a superstar. Uh, looked really, really sharp there. As for Ashton Agar, um, two for six uh, wickets there and three for 25 there for Cooper Conley. So the Scorchers... They keep plugging along. They're a juggernaut. They're great in the BBL. They? I mean, the, the support they get in WA is enormous. Ashton Agar, the pitch suited him. He was turning it sideways last night. <laughs> he did. Uh, Cameron Bancroft had no idea what he was doing, and they played mm-hmm. a lot of cricket together. Um, but they are just a the momentum behind that side, the regularity in which they win. Is quite something. When a sports team gets going in WA, like we've seen with the Perth Wildcats in the NBL, good luck stopping them because they just become a, a serious force. Yeah, 100%. Actually, just before I get to the next call, Radelaide Rooster, good to hear from you. Great call, Coach K. I'm from the Florio Peninsula. That's home. You are one lucky man because I've never seen a better stretch of coastline. Really? And I've traveled to every state but the Northern Territory, and the water there is – you wouldn't even believe me when I tell you this. It is better than the Great Ocean Road water. Sorry, I don't mean to pump up Adelaide's tyres, but yeah, it, a one one trip. So how far away is the peninsula from Adelaide? 40 minutes. Wow. You wouldn't even go to Glen Elg. You'd just go straight there. Where are you from, Radelaide Rooster? Which part of the peninsula? Let us know. Uh, now to the NBA. The Bulls 73, the Hornets 66 right now. The Thunder 94, the Wizards 86. That's in the third quarter. We'll have a quick look to see how Josh Giddy's going in 20 minutes, nine points. Nine assists, good. four rebounds, great performance from him. Chad Holgram, 29 points. So the Thunder, they're 23 and 11. They're looking really, really good. So Josh Giddy's Thunder, they're currently third in the Western Conference. Some other games to look at, the Heat 59, the Rockets 58. That's at half time. And the Celtics, they're down by two against the Indiana Pacers in the third quarter. And the Utah Jazz 41 the Bucks 23. Is my boy Wemby playing today? Wemby, let's have a quick look to see. Where the Spurs no, are. he's not. He's not playing today. But yeah. Wembenyama against Giannis the other day was out of this world. Crazy. Wasn't it? it Some was... of those blocks yeah. that Wembenyama was executing, I mean, like you couldn't believe what you It was like you're watching a video game. Yeah. It was a, he's a one special talent, once in a generation. I thought Luka Doncic was once in a generation. He probably still could be, but... Webinyama, he's just a freak. So what are the – because the Spurs are struggling big time, even mm. though he's having a, a very good rookie season. So you're a basketball aficionado. What do they do now? At the end of the season, they go, all right, we've had a year to bet him in. Yeah. Now we go and recruit hard. They've got a couple of other youngsters coming yeah. through who are talented, but they've only won, I think, five games for the season. Mm. So they now make some massive trades, trade like an early pick that they'll get this year and bring in like a couple of established stars to make that move up. Uh, the latter pretty quickly. Is that how it's likely to transpire? You, you'd probably have to start looking at that. It's more the case of who wants to play with a team that he's struck. Like Webb and Yama, is he going to win you a, a championship? Yeah, if he has the right pieces, he will. But they get one or two more gun players and they start rocketing yeah. up right with him. So if you're a gun player, you think, well, I can go play with him. And within two, three years, we should be right up there contending for a championship. 100%. And you'll get bigger money because they're in need of, of more stars, right? When the Orlando Magic made the NBA finals, it was on the back of really Dwight Howard. He was the main man in there. He was just that rim protector. He was just solid, dominated every game he played in. And that's what's going to happen with Wembenyama. So it's just a matter of who they bring in, who they trust, who they like. They've got a great coaching staff. Shout out to Matty Nielsen, who's over there. Yeah. So it'll be great. it'll be interesting to see what they do um, 
the Spurs. I'll get your take on this, Garby. We're going to mm-hmm. the global game soon at 1 o'clock, which you will speak more to Scotty Mack about this. But one all was a score last night. Adelaide United against MacArthur. Um, I made my dad sit on the couch for at least five minutes of it just to see Iren Kunda touch the ball three times. Did you and notice who the commentator was? Was it Daniel Garth? It was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was a bit nervous, to be honest. I thought, is he over there in Adelaide? I didn't message you. But luckily, you turned up today, which yeah. is good to no, see. I got, I got back in Adelaide, from Adelaide in time. <laughs> Brilliant. I, uh, I commentated that game for Paramount Plus last night. Really good game of football. And uh, Adelaide frustrated. Then get the three points mm-hmm. at home. And yeah, MacArthur... Uh, gathering some momentum in the A-League this season. The crowds are starting to build at home. If you're from the Campbelltown region and you're around MacArthur, let us know what you think. 0457 736 736 about the job Milester Jovski's doing because they played some really good football last night. Their French striker, Valé Germain, I thought was fantastic. Mm. Along with their, their wingers, they could have snatched it late. And all in all, an excellent game of football. Uh, points shared, one apiece. What surprised me yesterday, Garby, is that I was at the airport about to catch a flight home to Sydney. Mm. All of a sudden, I walk into the loo with a few of the MacArthur boys. And I'm thinking, I had to check what time the game was. They, they flew. They, they literally landed at about 12 p.m. And the yeah. game was that night. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, wouldn't you, wouldn't you come up the day before and stay at a hotel? Like, is that cutting costs? What's the go there? Probably be a bit of cost cutting. Yeah. Um, I guess that would be a factor. But sometimes, you know, the night before a night game, it's a long wait as well. Mm. Sometimes you play, you think, let's just fly up on the day. We'll be all right. Yeah. What's the flight to Adelaide? Hour and a half or something? Like, mm. you can manage. Yeah, I suppose. The stretch before, stretch afterwards. <laughs> I get what you're saying. Erin uh, Kunda, though, was really good too. I thought uh, his cross in the first half for Ibasuki was fantastic. It should have been converted. He's just so dynamic. He's going to Bayern Munich in a few months' time. Enjoy every minute that we have him uh, in this country, Nestor and Kunda, because he is a phenom. He turns 18 in a month. Yeah, no, he's a superstar. And just lastly, 2-0 Manchester United against Wigan Athletic in the FA Cup. We'll go to the break. Yes, Garby, quickly. Just a quick one off the text line, 0457 736 736. We want your calls on the looming changes uh, to Australian cricket from Daz Dragon. Everyone moves up one slot and Green moves into six. Marnus Labuschagne doesn't want to open. We know how particular he is. I just don't think he's interested in opening. Steve Smith does. So it feels like that decision um, has been taken away from the selectors. But uh, 0457 736 736, share with us your thoughts. SEN Afternoons, SEN 1170 in Sydney, SEN 693 in Brisbane. Daniel Garb here with you with thanks to uh, sbsfence.com.au, the best portable toilet and temporary fence hire in Sydney. Get onto them for any events. A few through on the text. Garby, hope you're well. Why do commentators talk about Cam Green and constantly only say his age? It's four years of it now. The bloke is 24. In six years, he'll be 30. Plenty of athletes play sport at the highest level and have retired by 24. That from Jeremy. And the reason why they talk about his age a lot, Jeremy, is because every other player in the team, the test team that is, is over 30, apart from Marnus Labuschagne. So they need some youth to come into the side. Also, what he's managed to show at this time of his career is probably ahead of most. I mean, the majority of test cricketers struggle to flourish before the age of 25. I mean, some do, some freakish talents, but a lot of them take a while. I mean, you look at the likes of Langer and Matthew Hayden and Damian Martin. Ricky Ponting was dropped early in his career, don't you forget. Steve Waugh was as well. It's a tough caper. Maybe a little bit easier now against some of the uh, the softer teams, but against England and India, unless you are a freak, to come in and perform before the age of 25 is tough. So Green's shown a lot at a young age, and he's also an all-rounder. Now, that chat's been diluted a bit because of the emergence of Mitch Marsh. But Mitch Marsh is into his 30s now. He's not going to be around forever. Um, prior to that, 
the lure of having an all-rounder in the team that is dominance is a huge one. And perhaps selectors got caught in that trap for a while post the 2005 Ashes and Andrew Flintoff. And we saw how devastating he was. And Australian cricket went, well, we need a bit of that. And they searched for an all-rounder perhaps a bit too much. And they asked perhaps a bit too much of Shane Watson at times. But if you can get an all-rounder into the team that is as dominant as Green promises to be, well, that just gives you so much flexibility in terms of what you can do. I mean, you can play an extra spinner at times because you've got the extra pace bowler. You can maneuver your batting lineup. Um, you know, when there's a partnership set in, your rounder coming in a bit fresh just changes things up a little bit, especially if you can bowl as quickly as Green does. He can get it up to about 140 clicks and swing it and move it, which he's shown already in patches. Needs to do it with more consistency, but I think we've seen enough from him at 24 years of age to suggest there's a special talent there. And that's why his age gets mentioned so much, Jeremy. But I understand your point in that sense. From John, do we really believe Iren Kunda will play at Bayern Munich? I think he'll initially be loaned out to a side in a lower league. He will be, without a doubt. He's only turning 18 in a month. And there's no way he breaks straight into the Bayern Munich side. Initially, and we've seen players like Aaron Quoll and so many others struggle when they get sent on loan. It's hard to know what will be of Nestoria and Kunda when he makes the move to Bayern Munich. The talent is undeniable. He still has a lot of maturing to do. Maybe going to a place like Germany in a professional setup like Bayern Munich will actually be the best thing for him. That's the hope of those around him. And hopefully it elevates him and he ends up being a Socceroos great. Thanks for your thoughts. Keep them coming through on the text line 0457 736 736. Daniel Garp here with you on uh, SCN 1170 in Sydney, SCN 693 in Brisbane. Plenty of texts coming through on the Australian cricket team opening batting conundrum. But this one from Matt from Hunters Hill. There must be some concerns that there'll be no New South Wales players in the test team in two or three years' time. There aren't many New South Wales players doing much. Well, the captain's going okay, Matt, by the name of Pat Cummins. I don't think he'll be moved for a while yet. Some of the others are ageing. I mean, the bowling quartet is outstanding. That's all New South Wales, of course. Um, but Stark and Hazelwood and Lyon, how long do they have remaining in the team? There's still a couple of years, I think. Uh, and then there'll be changes. Lance Morris is the incumbent, you would think, in terms of a replacement. Um, he is the quick from WA. And Michael Neza should get a chance at some stage. And there's still Scott Boland in the squad. Um, Usman Kawaja, yep. How long does he have left? Another New South Welshman. And then there's Steve Smith, who turns 35 this year. Will he be announced as the next opening bat alongside Kawaja in the post-David Warner era? We'll find out probably tomorrow. Big news in Australian sport. A big couple of hours coming up after the break, though. The great Scott McDonald is on the line and ready to go. The global game, football fans, for a couple of hours is coming up next on your Tuesday afternoon. Can't wait for it.